Bueller. Are you better off than you were four years ago? I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Shall we play Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Come back with me to the 1980s and the roller coaster ride that was my high school experience. I lived a John Hughes life, and some of the celebrity vocal talent I've assembled to take you on this journey helped to give us all that 80s good time vibe. The names have been changed to protect the not so innocent. It's morning again in America. Today, more men and women will go to work than ever before in our country's history. With interest rates at about half the record highs of 1980, nearly 2,000 families today will buy new homes, more than at any time in the past four years. This afternoon, 6,500 young men and women will be married. And with inflation at less than half of what it was just four years ago, they can look forward with confidence to the future. It's morning again in America. And under the leadership of President Reagan, our country is prouder and stronger and better. Why would we ever want to return to where we were less than four short years ago? I took Reagan to the movies as promised to see Firestarter, the Stephen King movie with Drew Barrymore breaking out of her cutesy E.T. role by burning shit to the ground. Mr. H was at his usual roost, hanging over the back of the box office, smoking a cigarette and insulting the people that walked by out in the mall. I was so proud to show off Reagan. Hi, Chrissy. Who's your friend? Of course, Mr. H had to be a cock knocker and bust my balls right out of the gate. His goal was to absolutely embarrass me. Reagan, meet my boss, Mr. Hankins. Reagan? That's a name. What do you see in this guy? I smiled, pointed to his chin, and singled out some food or cigarette ash in that pubic hair straggly thing that passed for a beard. Um, you, you got some shit there, Mr. H. I did watch enough of the movie to know what was going on, but truth be told... I read the book and Drew just wasn't cutting it for me as Charlie, the pint-sized arsonist Carrie White. My hands were all over Reagan in the very back row of the theater. She gave it right back as Drew fucked shit up on screen. Reagan was a hellcat, eating my face and waving me into second. I was not prepared for that. And I did pause from time to time to catch the movie. After the movie, we walked out the side exit door sporting foreplay hair and she buttoned her shirt up. That was interesting. A hot weekend with a hot new girlfriend gave way to Monday, and just after homeroom, Principal Hines got on the announcements to call me down to his office. That's how the week started. I walked the hallways. What could this be about? Did Ricka find out it was Jess pretending to be his dad? Did he talk to Jess's parents and found out about the bogus invoices? There was so much to worry about. Waiting for the principal is like waiting to see the doctor or dentist knowing you're there in that waiting room for something not good. It's the longest wait while the world goes on all around you. Secretaries did their thing, copy machines ran, the clock hands kept moving forward, but time remained still for me. Then the door opened and Heinz stood there, waving me into his office. 
Come on in, Captain, he said. Ricka and Halladin were seated in Heinz's office already. Neither of them smiled at me and barely acknowledged I was in the room as Heinz closed the door. They kept their eyes off of me and waited for Heinz to start whatever this was going to be. Is there a problem? I guess there was. Heinz said, Ms. Halladin and Mr. Ricka had come to him with a serious allegation against me. He wanted to hear my side of the story. What is it? You could tell he didn't want to do whatever it was he was about to do. He cleared his throat and he just spat it all out. The word was I may have instigated an assault on two students. Did I know the incident he was referring to? Butch beating the burner? Uh, Those guys? Don't play stupid. Hines raised a hand to silence her. He was running this show. Who told those two young men were taking bets on Sherry's life? How did you find out to tell Butch who told you about their notebook? Chris, the two boys Butch assaulted said you put him up to it. They came to me and told me. Well, where did they hear that? Stacy Kimmins brought them to you. What does it matter? Well, I know it matters to you and Stacy. Did you ask Butch? Hines told me he was on his way down at the moment. I could have thrown my source under the bus, but it was a teacher. And there was no way I was going to do that. However, I could have just played the dumb teenage kid. I heard it from a respected adult and, well, naive me just ran with it. I didn't mean to set anything into motion. I was just doing what dumb teenagers did. I could also call Butch a liar if he said it was me. Halladin wanted a scandal that that could either force me to drop out of the race or cause me to lose. It was a no-win scenario. Just like Heinz's Star Trek. Butch came into the office, seeing the ensemble, and never batted an eye. He took a chair without being asked. He was the 500-pound gorilla in the room. He gave me a what's-up nod and smile. It was like he came for a job interview. Heinz told Butch he was called down to clear a few things up. Could he help? Yeah, sure. What is it? Heinz was respectful and and told Butch he was aware that there were legal issues for him and his family, and, and he didn't want to muddy any waters because of the... Lynching. He corrected Halladin by saying, fight with the two students who bet on another student's life. We're told Chris here put you up to it, that he asked you or influenced you to beat up those boys. If it's true, it could lift considerable pressure off of you and your family. You know what the judge said to me and my parents after he found me guilty? He said, by law, I have to find judgment against you. And then he looked to the parents of those guys and said, but as a human being and father, I would have done the same to your sons. They're monsters for what they did. Chris didn't say anything to me. I found out through some kids bragging at lunch about how much they were going to win. I lost control, and I did what I did. No one tells me to do anything. Well, that was good enough for Mr. Hines. He clapped his hands, adjourning the meeting. He thanked Butch for coming down to clear things up. He thanked me as well. We were free to go. Halladin seethed. Ricka was thinking. I tried to read as much of their faces as I left the office. I was too dumb to hear that bullet just whizzing by and missing my head. Elections were coming up. On the way out, I had a passing thought wondering if Ricka or Halladin had access to the ballot counting. And then I wondered if Stacy had access. How can you say no and still keep your friends? Now that's quite a problem sometimes. I followed Butch. 
catching up with him down the hall and out of range for when Haladin and Ricka would surely come walking together. Did you think I ratted you out to the cops or those guys? No, no way. What did you say after the judge said that to you? <laughs> oh, no, he didn't say it. Nah, I just made it up. I was stunned. Was he referring to... Red Dragon, buddy. Red Dragon. He was. The lion just repaid the mouse. One week later, I skipped last period with Reagan to sneak into the auditorium and await the end of the day announcements which would give the election results. Elections were that morning, and a hand-picked group by Mr. Hines counted the ballots in his office. I worried all day, wondering if I had shot myself in the foot with my self-pitying grief over Tony earlier in the year. I made a bad start, and I would pay for it now. I remember I went before the class in the gym to give my re-election speech a few weeks earlier. Yosh, Jan, and Becca also gave theirs. Our pitch was simple. We were running again as a united team, and we had a good start in turning things around, and we had even bigger things for our coming senior year. We would have a terrific prom, and we were on course. So we asked the class to stay the course. Now there I was, sitting in this dark auditorium with just a few overhead lights with my girlfriend, not knowing if I was going to be defeated in front of her. What the hell would I do if I lost? Walking out in that hallway as, as it filled with kids heading home would be like a walk of shame. And I had no one to blame but myself. I let everyone down. And despite a strong late fall recovery, it might have all been for nothing. Just too late. Hines read off the underclassmen officers first. Freshmen, sophomores, new juniors. And then finally, he came to the seniors. It was that moment. His voice cleared, and he read the results. He had said, Now for our class of 85 senior results, Becca Stanton, class secretary. Janice Barton, class treasurer. Yoshin Amata, Vice President. They voted everyone back. I waited. It was going to be my name or Stacy's. And your senior class president, Hines, said Captain Chris Michaels. My face dropped in shock. Reagan jumped up, clapping, and, and kissed me hard. I'm First Lady! I heard later that someone in Halliden's room saw her smash a glass into the home ex sink when my name was announced. Someone else said she cried. I don't know if either was true, but I do know she could not have been happy. But let's go on to another important part of your personality. How does a changing environment affect you? Does your personality keep pace with new circumstances, new situations? Two weeks later was moving up day the big end-of-the-year ceremony held in the gym. The community was invited. Moving up day was considered a bigger deal than graduation. It was held a week before. It was the time to hand out awards and serve as a changing of the guard, a very ceremonial thing. The juniors moved up to seniors, and the seniors were considered pre-graduated. Hines revered this ceremony. Janie and the outgoing senior class officers took off their graduation gowns and passed them to me, Yosh, Becca, and Jan. We now moved up into their places. We 
were now the senior class officers. In those first few weeks after re-election and moving up day, we pulled in almost another thousand dollars from several beer parties out in the middle of nowhere. Westwood was not short of farm fields and empty remote clearings to have a few spring get-togethers. One of our fundraisers got busted by the local cops. Red and blue lights came tearing down this dirt road. Jan ran like hell with that shoebox full of cash under her arm as we fled for Jan's car. She froze at the driver door, eyes wide, hands shaking. I'm too scared. I can't drive. She tossed her keys to Jess. He shook his head, did a hero swagger to the car, opened the door, and looked inside. It's a fucking stick shift, Jan. I can't drive stick. Looks like my stepdad was right. You never knew when you were going to be forced into a situation to drive stick shift. Jess tossed the keys and his cool image to me. Jan got into the back of her own car, Jess got in the passenger side, and I got us the hell out of there. Tony was riding along with us. They just couldn't see her. I got home after two in the morning and my mom was still up. She was sitting at the kitchen table, my dad having gone to bed hours ago. She was enjoying a late night joint and listening to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon on vinyl. Late night? I joined her at the table. She offered me the joint and I took a hit. She was amused, looking at me with approval, and then like a wise ass mimicked me when I freaked out over finding the pot plants in our backyard four years earlier. I'm gonna tell Gary the cop. Got some Pink Floyd going? I don't see you much with both of us on the night shift. How are you? I'm fine, Mom, good. She thought about that. Floyd's great gig in the sky was playing and it hit that incredible Claire Torrey solo wailing powerfully through our living room speakers. Good God, was it moving. The solo resonated and then subsided. My mom sat there, eyes closed, absorbing it. A small smile on her face. Then slowly, she addressed me, knowing I was still sitting there and watching her. You know what that song was about? Sex. You just heard an orgasm. As her son, just what the hell do you say to that? You're going to make a girl feel like that one day. Make sure it's the right one and be smart. I had no words, but she chose her next ones carefully. You have a very bright future ahead of you. Take your time. Hear me? Reagan and I aren't having sex, Mom. Uh, you're also running with some new kids these days. I want you to promise me you won't drink and drive. And you won't get in a car with anyone who drank. <sighs> Tony wasn't drinking. I'd rather pick your ass up at three in the morning than identify your body, okay? Okay. Good night. She wasn't June Cleaver, but my God, I loved my mom. <laughs>